Alright, welcome on into the 28th episode of the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. In today's episode, we will be covering the Pacific Division um, preseason preview. Um, so, um, before we get into that, just want to let you know we're going to be finishing the division previews, and then I'm going to be doing a top 30 players at each uh, position breakdown um, before the season starts. So with that, we'll go ahead and get on into it. <clears throat> we're going to start with the Los Angeles Clippers. Last year, the Los Angeles Clippers were 48-34. and 34. Um, They ended up losing in the first round to the Golden State Warriors. Now, they get, did give the Warriors a very good fight in, those, in that series. Patrick Beverly did a really good job on Kevin Durant, but eventually uh, KD just took over the series. Um... Los Angeles Clippers coach is Doc Rivers. Now, Doc is a guy that a lot of people really respect in the NBA. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's an amazing coach, but I think he's a a very good coach. I think he gets a lot out of his players. I think he did a really good job with the this team he had last year, um, especially, especially since they didn't really have a number one star. Um, they had some really good players, but they didn't have any – standout players so now that he has the guys that he has now which we'll get into um i really think that this clippers team is going to be really dangerous um as far as the front office goes the clippers are run by lawrence frank and jerry west now these two have done a really good job of putting this team back together after the blake griffin chris paul um deandre jordan era um, and again, this this summer they really did a, a great job of continuing to build this team up. Um, so in the draft, the Clippers drafted um, Mufondu Kabangeli out of Florida State University. Uh, Kabangeli is the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo. Um, he's a very athletic uh, big man, um, probably more of a career backup. Um, I don't really see him ever becoming a star, but he could be a guy that gives you, throughout his career, you know, that 15 to 20 minutes, comes in, gives you a lot of energy, um, rebounds well, can block some shots, um, but mostly just a pick and roll, you know, lob catcher. I don't really see him developing a shot over time. Um... Then the Clippers, as part of the Jimmy Butler sign-in trade, picked up Mo Harkless from the Portland Trailblazers. Um, Mo can play the three or the four. You know, he's six nine. He's very long. He's a good defender. Not a great shooter. Um, you're gonna have to put shooters around him for him to be successful on the offensive side. But really, what you're looking for is his athleticism and his defense that he gives you, and that length too. Now, the Clippers were the big winner, who I consider to be the big winners of the offseason. Um, they were in the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes all summer long, and it, it seemed like it was, especially the last couple days, it was just the Lakers and the um, 
the Raptors were the only teams that Kawhi was looking at anymore. Um, I always kind of figured that he would go to the Clippers, and that's eventually where he ended up going. But along with that, and there was no news about this going into it, the Clippers were able to do a trade um, to get Paul George from the Thunder. So now the Clippers went from being considered by many people out of the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes to now having Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together on the same team. Um, I got to tell you, those that, that combination of Leonard, George, Harkless, and Beverly, that is a scary defense. That is four guys that can man up basically anybody in the league and take them on. So the Clippers, I think this season, are going to be a very hard team to score on. Uh, <clears throat> so after that, to fill out the rest of the roster, the Clippers brought back Pat Beverly. They re-signed Evita Zubac and Rodney McGruder. Zubac will get will probably play the starting center position, even though he'll get less minutes than um, Montrez Harrell at the position. But he'll probably at least start there. Um, because they have Harrell and Williams, and Lou Williams are so great at coming off the bench. And Roddy Magruder is a guy that, you know, just adds some shooting. Pretty decent defender at the two. Um, probably a 8-12 to 12 minute a night guy. Um, the Clippers also brought back Jamichael Green, who can play the four or the five. Um, pretty good floor stretcher, really good defender. Um, so, again, just another signing, another solid signing for them. And then they re-signed uh, Jonathan Motley, who will probably play most of the season in the G League. Um, but he's someone that I think in a, in a year or two should be to the point where he can be a contributor on an NBA team. Now, as far as this upcoming season goes for the Clippers, um, I think they make it to the Western Conference Finals. I think they win 52 maybe to 56 games, <clears throat> make it to the Western Conference Finals. I don't think that they'll end up winning it. I think the team representing the West in the finals will either be the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Jazz. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers do. It's just I think with all the moving pieces they have, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming in, I think it'll take – a little bit of time for them to figure out how to win together. Um, kind of like, you know, uh, LeBron with his stops in Miami and when he came back to Cleveland, it took a little bit of time for those those groups to gel and really figure out how to win. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and move on to the Lakers. Now, the Lakers... Last season, went out and picked up LeBron James, and everybody just kind of assumed that they were a title favorite, that they were going to be just this amazing team. But then they started putting the team together, and they put, you know, they got Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, and all these guys that are decent players, but they're, they're killers in the locker room. And then you add it. You know, a guy like LeBron who does not work well with, with the young players. And that's all the Lakers had at that point was young players with Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, 
and Brandon Ingram. That was their, their main core when he came on. So I, I expect that the Lakers weren't going to be amazing. I did not think that they were, they were going to miss the playoffs. Um, Lakers last season were 37-45. and 45. They ended up being the 10th seed. Now, people keep saying, you know, they were a really high seed. LeBron got hurt, and then they fell out. And they keep saying that if he hadn't gotten hurt, that Lakers are probably still a championship favorite. I don't think so. I think they they probably make the playoffs if he doesn't get hurt, but I don't think they get that far into the playoffs. Um, going into this, the summer, the Lakers fired Luke Walton as their head coach, which I wasn't a fan of. I, I think he was a I think he was a good coach, and I don't understand why they felt the need to fire him. But anyway, they replaced him with Frank Vogel as their head coach. Now, Frank, I, I mean, I really don't see what makes him better than Luke Walton. Frank's a decent coach, but he hasn't had any amazing teams in the league. His his Indiana teams were okay. His uh, Orlando Magic teams were okay. Um so it'll be interesting to see how he works with a guy like LeBron, works with the rest of his team, if he actually is any better than Luke Walton. Um, the GM of the Lakers is Rob Palinka. Um, he took over running the team when Magic Johnson decided to uh, resign as team president. Um, and he's been the source of a lot of drama over the summer. Um, you know, he... That Lakers team is is very drama-filled, and if they really want to win games, a guy like Rob Palinka, um, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to think. Um, Kurt Rambis and his wife, they need to just stay out of the way. Let the rest of the people that know what they're doing run the organization. Let the coaches coach and stay out of the news. If the Lakers really want to be a championship team, that the, these people need to stay out of the way. <clears throat> the Lakers cannot be a reality TV show if they want to win a championship. If they want to be great, they've got to stay out of the news. They've got to play. So going into the offseason, the Lakers made the biggest splash of before the draft and picking up Anthony Davis from the Lakers. In that deal, they sent Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and just a ton of future first-round picks to get Anthony Davis. Now, I think it was worth that much. I think sending that many picks and sending those players was worth it because I think Anthony Davis is one of the top at least 10 players in the league. The guy is insanely talented. He just hasn't had the opportunity to have another star next to him and now he has a guy like LeBron to play with I think the Lakers are really um, going to be a scary team coming into this year now in the draft the Lakers traded into the draft and picked up Talon Horton Tucker um, guy's about 6'4 has I think I don't have the numbers in front of me but I think he had a 7 foot wingspan at 7 foot 4 um very raw talent. I would expect him to play most of the year in the G League. Um, just kind of figuring out how to play in the NBA. I would not expect him to be 
a contributor this year or for the, like the next two or three years. Um, now, once the Lakers found out that they did not win um, the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes, that they didn't end up with him, um, it was time to fill out the roster as best they could. And I think they did a pretty decent job. I think they did a lot better job than they did last year after not getting another star to play next to LeBron. Um, they went out and signed Quinn Cook, who was the backup point guard for the Warriors the last couple years. Um, I think he'll be he'll be great as a backup point guard now for them. They signed DeMarcus Cousins, but DeMarcus, in training this offseason, uh, tore his ACL, and he'll likely miss the whole season. Now, I was actually surprised. I was actually pretty um, excited about that signing of DeMarcus Cousins. I thought he was a great fit with his team. I think he's a great fit next to Anthony Davis, as he showed in his time with the Pelicans. And I really just want to see DeMarcus get the chance to play again because he was becoming one of the top five players in the NBA before he tore his, his uh, um, Achilles. Um, so hopefully, hopefully next season... He'll be healthy, and he'll be ready to go. Now, I don't know who he's going to be playing for, but I would really like to see DeMarcus start to get back to where he was, even 90% of where he was with the Pelicans. The Lakers also brought back JaVale McGee, um, who I, I suspect, now that Cousins is out, will probably be the starting five next to Davis. I think the Lakers don't want to play Anthony Davis at the five as much as they can, and I agree with that. I think I think Anthony Davis can play the five. He can be dominant there, but I think his real position is the four. That's where he really can be that top five you know, player in the NBA, that dominant force, possible MVP candidate. The Lakers also brought in Danny Green. Now, Danny Green will probably be the starting two for the Lakers, um, great three-point shooter, had pro- had one of his best seasons of his career last year, even though he's getting older, still a really good defender, not the dominant defender that he was, but still can take on the other team's second best player, and that's where I think the Lakers will struggle a little bit this season, is the fact that they don't have that number one dominant defender. If they had gotten Kawhi, that's that would be Kawhi's job. Anthony Davis is really good down in the post. LeBron James is a really good help defender. Rondo's okay one-on-one. When he was younger, he was an amazing one-on-one defender, but now he's you know he's slowed down a little bit. And he's not that great at it. So I think Danny Green's probably going to be the best defender on the floor for the Lakers a lot of times, um, as far as perimeter defender. Um, and we'll probably have to take on, you know, the other team's number one guy, like Kawhi, like Giannis, um, and so on. Lakers also brought back Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, Caldwell-Pope for them has been just a solid backup his t- in his time with the Lakers. Um, pretty, pretty efficient score. Not, not amazing efficiency, but he can get the job done. Decent defender, um, so a decent signing to get him back. They brought in Jared Dudley on a one-year minimum. Now, Dudley actually signed before um, anything with Kawhi Leonard was figured out because he really wanted to play 
on this team with Davis and James, and I think he'll be a good veteran, bring some good leadership to this team. Um, Lakers also brought in Troy Daniels on a one-year minimum. Now, Troy Daniels is a guy you probably, him and Dudley, you probably won't see them play every single game. Um, They'll probably be on the bench, but they probably won't get in, especially if it's a competitive game. They're they're good players, good good shooters. Um, it's just the Lakers have actually put together a pretty deep team, and those are the the end of the bench guys. Those two. Um, Lakers also brought back Rajon Rondo, who the Lakers are are talking right now about starting LeBron James at the one. Um, if that works, then Rondo will be a backup point guard. But I kind of think that eventually Rondo will work his way back into the starting lineup. Um, he's not the dominant point guard that he was. But he can still be very effective. Can still dish the ball very well. Can still get on the boards. Um, can't shoot still. After all these years, he still hasn't learned how to shoot. Um, but still a very effective um, point guard. Um, a signing that kind of went unnoticed, but I think it was a really good signing, is the Lakers brought in Avery Bradley. Now, Bradley's going to have a fight to get into the game um, just because, you know, Danny Green, KCP, Rondo, um, and, uh, of course, LeBron, if he's playing the one, are, and Quinn Cook are all in his way. But I think Avery Bradley is a very valuable player. He's a really good on-ball defender. A little undersized at 6'2". I think if Avery Bradley was 6'6", he'd probably be one of the most dominant defenders in the NBA. But, again, I think very good signing for the Lakers. They didn't have to pay him a ton. I think he'll be a good fit for them. The Lakers also brought back Alex Caruso, um, who's definitely a fan favorite. He's a guy that he's never going to be a star in this league, but he can definitely... Go out, get you some points. Tries his best on defense. Not a great defender, but um, just another good piece that the Lakers have now. Um, so after DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, the Lakers needed to replace him at center. And they went out and signed Dwight Howard. So Dwight Howard is coming back to the Lakers. Um, I just really hope that after all these years of being in the league, Dwight Howard is finally starting to mature. I really hope that happens because he really is still a very dominant center. It's just he's just so immature that teams want to get rid of him as quick as possible. Um, really one of the greatest rebounders in the modern era. Um, so it would be really nice to see Dwight get his career back on track and finish out his career um, on a good note. Um, and finally, the, the Lakers brought in Kosas Antetokounmpo, who is Giannis's younger brother. Um, Kosas played for the Mavericks last year in their G League. Um, I suspect that Kosas will probably play, probably play most of the year in the G League for the Lakers. Um... It'll be interesting to see if he can really start to develop his skill set and become an NBA player.
Um, as far as my prediction for how this season will go for the Lakers, I think it'll take them a little bit of time to mesh together as a group. They'll, I think they'll win over 48 games. They'll be a top five seed. Um, I just don't know if they'll figure it out quick enough to where they'll be, you know, one, two seed, or if they'll be, you know, four or five seed. Um, I don't think that they make it to the finals and win this year. I think just like the Clippers, it's going to take time to figure out how to win as a team. Um, but I think they'll at least make it to the second, if not the conference finals, and possibly make it to the to the NBA finals. Um, as I said in an, early, in an earlier episode, I believe the Bucks are going to be the champion, champions when it comes down to it. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see who can come out of the West. And again, once you get into a, a series of seven games, I mean, it's you just got to win those games. Um, I think any of these top teams in the West can beat the Bucks. They could beat the the 76ers if that's the team that makes it. Um, but again, I think it'll be the Bucks in the end that end up winning the championship. All right, so moving on to the Sacramento Kings. Um, the Kings last year were a, were a surprise team. They were really close to making it to the playoffs. Uh, towards the end of the season, they eventually fell off, just didn't have quite enough talent to make it happen. Um, but they really showed a lot of improvement. Um, they went from being really one of the laughing stocks of the NBA to being a, a very promising team going forward. Um, now, with all the young guys they have, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage their cap situation going forward, um, how they're going to pay all these guys. Um, I know Buddy Hild is going to be a free agent coming into this next season. Um, and then, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, third, or the third or junior, I can't remember. Anyway, Marvin Bagley um, will also eventually be coming up on a new contract. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Kings do there as far as managing their money going forward. Um, the Kings decided to fire Dave Yeager as their head coach this summer, which I, I don't understand. I think Yeager was doing an awesome job. I think he did a great job of developing his, those young players. But in e either case, um, the the Kings decided to hire Luke Walton as their head coach for this next season. Um, I think Luke's a, I think Luke's a good coach. I don't think he's one of the top coaches in the NBA, but I think he's a good coach. Um, I think he did a decent job with the young players in LA. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he can do, continuing the development of these young players in Sacramento. And the GM for the, the Kings is Vlade Divac, who a lot of people thought was going to be fired by the at the end of this year. Because the Kings looked so much better this season than they have in the past, he actually got an extension. And so we'll see Vlade as the GM for the Kings for at least one more year. Well, you know, he's always, there's always danger that he could be fired 
um, if the team starts to fall apart. But I think he's safe um, for now. Um, as far as the draft for the Kings, they got, they got three second-round guys, um, guys that I don't know if you're going to see much of them this year. They'll either play in the G League or one of them will probably play in Europe. But they brought in Kyle Guy, um, who played on the um, Virginia National Championship team. Um, Kyle is a uh, kind of a more of a combo guard, not super athletic, not a great defender, but he can he can hit a lot of shots, and he's smart with the ball in his hands. They brought in Justin James out of Wyoming, who again I think will play most of the year in the G League. A uh, good long wing can play the two or the three. And they brought in another shooting guard um, out of Europe um, that will probably stay in Europe at least for a year or two in Vanya Marinkovic. I think that's how you say his name. Um, haven't looked up much on the guy. Um, but again, as I said, I suspect that he'll probably play <clears throat> at least a year or two um, in Europe before he comes over. Um, now going into the offseason, the Kings made... A move that I think was pretty su surprising. They ended up releasing Frank Mason the third. Um, I think Mason was a really good backup point guard. Um, I think he's really smart. I think he'll do really well with the Bucks going into this year. Um, but to replace him, the Kings brought in Corey Joseph. Now I think they overpaid on Joseph a little bit, but I think he's a very valuable player. I think he'll be really good behind De'Aaron Fox. And it'll be fun to watch uh, Corey Joseph and Yogi Ferrell um, compete for that number two spot at the point guard position. The Kings also brought in a couple veterans to help them out. They signed Trevor Ariza. Um, Ariza is a guy that it's interesting to see how he's going to fit with the Kings. Because at his position, they already have Harrison Barnes. At the four, they have Bagley. Um, so it be interesting to see if they experiment with moving Bagley to the five a little bit. Or if Trevor Rizzo will be a backup um, all the time. Um, I think he's a really valuable player. I think he brings a lot to a team. Um but with how the Kings are situated right now, I think he's going to end up being a backup. Um, we'll probably still get around 20 minutes or so. Um, but I think they may have overpaid him also a little bit just for the fa fact that he's not going to be a full-time starter. Um, the other veteran that the Kings brought in was Dwayne Dedman. Um, I think he'll probably be their starting five this year. Dedman hit... Um, over his last couple years with the Hawks, has added that three-point shot and become pretty efficient at it. Um, he's a solid defender. Um, not Never going to wow you, but he gets the job done. The Kings decided to bring back Harrison Barnes, gave him a big extension. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I think Harrison, over his last couple years with the Mavericks, has shown that he can't be the guy on the team, but he can be a very valuable piece, and I think with um, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and Bagley already on the roster. I think Harrison Barnes can slide in there um, very easily and be that number three, number four option, which is where I think Harrison Barnes really should have been all along. <clears throat> um, the Kings brought in Rashawn Holmes to be 
probably Dwayne Bet Deadman's backup. I think Krishan is, you know, he's your your classic old school center. He's physical. Um, he scores around the basket, and that's about it. Rebounds, um, plays decent defense. Um, <clears throat> just a really physical player. You're never gonna see him out behind the three point line draining threes, but he will get the job done as the backup center. And finally, the Kings brought in Tyler Lydon. Um, <clears throat> Lydon has been buried on the bench the last couple of years with the Nuggets. Um, he's a guy that <clears throat> could hopefully turn into a good stretch four option. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can actually get some playing time with the Kings. <clears throat> because they have they have Dwayne Dedman. They have Rashawn Holmes. They have Marvin Bagley. Um, and they also have Harry Giles. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how much playing time Tyler Lydon can get. But he's a guy that I wanted to see get more time with the Nuggets because I think he could be a decent player. So it'll be, it'll be fun to see if he can get on the court with the Kings <clears throat> and start to show um, what I, you know, those skills that I thought he could have had with the Nuggets. Um, as far as this next season goes for the, the Kings, I think they'll get at least 40 wins. And I think they'll be a team that are fighting for that last spot in the playoffs, possibly not making the playoffs. <clears throat> they'll be somewhere in that 6-10 to 10 seed. And if they do make it into the playoffs, unfortunately I think they'll lose in the first round. But I think just getting into the playoffs will be a big accomplishment for them. It'll be a big thing for these young guys to start building their confidence and start moving towards making them a full-fledged contender in this league. So then we'll go ahead and move on to the Phoenix Suns. <clears throat> now, the Phoenix Suns are a team a lot like the Hornets, where anytime I talk about them, it's usually bad. Um, I'll try not to, to rag on them too much, but both those teams are just very poorly run organizations. Last year, the Suns went 19 and 63. They were the last seed in the West. Um, they were just, they were a laughing stock. But towards the end of the season, you could see these young players starting to figure out how to play, um, figure out how to win games. And I think the coach at the time, Igor Kokoshkov, um, receives a lot of credit or should receive a lot of credit for what he did with the with the Suns. I think he did a really good job and I think the Suns are really stupid for firing him. Um I hope Igor gets a chance to coach somewhere else soon. I think he's a really good coach and I think again I think the Suns were really dumb for letting him go. Um the G or first we'll go back to the um so to replace Kokoshkov, the Suns uh, hired Monty Williams, who uh, who has some ex uh, head coaching experience in the past. Um, this last year, he was with the 76ers as an assistant coach. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a really good defensive coach. Um, but again, I think Kokoshkov would have been just fine, but hopefully Williams can start getting this team turned around and turn them into an actual winning team. The GM for the Suns is James Jones, and so far I've just I've not been um, 
impressed with the job that he's done as the GM. Um, before the draft, the Suns traded um, their draft pick um, to the Timberwolves, the sixth pick, which I think was a mistake, but they traded it anyway. Um, they got Dario Saric out of it, which Dario was a guy that can probably start at the power forward for them. Um, he has a lot of different skills. He's a decent three-point shooter, good passer, good ball handler at the four. Um, but again, I think it would have been more valuable to, for this team to have actually just taken that sixth pick and gotten who the Timberwolves got with that pick in Jarrett Culver. I think Culver would have been a much better fit with this team than trading that a pick away to get Darius Saric. They also traded away another first-round pick, um, future first-rounder, and got Aaron Baines from the Celtics. Now, this pick, this trade, um, I'm actually kind of a fan of. I think Aaron Baines is a really good backup center. I think he'll be awesome behind DeAndre Ayton. Super physical and can really get the job done when your your star center is off the court. Um, also, before the draft, though, the Suns made a just a super boneheaded trade, in my opinion. I probably the worst trade of the off season. Um, second worst move of the off season to the Hornets signing Terry Rozier. I, in my opinion, at least, um, <clears throat> they sent Warren to the Indiana Pacers. Um, just to get off his contract. They just got a pick back. That's it. It wasn't to get a first-round pick or anything like that. It was just to get off his contract. And he has a really reasonable contract for what he gives you. Um, so, again, just dumb, boneheaded moves by the Suns. Um, in the draft, I think the Suns did pretty decent. They drafted Ty Jerome um, out of Virginia. Guys 6'5", can play the one or the two. Good three-point shooter, good team leader. And they also drafted Cam Johnson out of North Carolina. Now, I think they drafted Cam Johnson way too early. I think they could have gotten him in the 20s. But I think getting him um, was a good decision. I think Cam Johnson is going to be, um, you know, five years from now, he's going to be looked at as one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um, so I think... Both those guys are good pickups. I just wish that they would have picked up Cam Johnson later in the draft, traded down, and gotten future assets along with trading down to get him later. But, again, I think both those guys are good additions to the Suns. The Suns um, ended up trading uh, Josh Jackson to the Grizzlies. Um I guess they just kind of gave up on Jackson. They they figured that Jackson was going to end up being a star. He hasn't become that, but I think he can still be a very solid player. So I think he'll. It's a good fit for him with the Grizzlies because his expect the expectations for him won't be super high. Um, in that trade, the uh, Suns picked up Kyle Korver and Javon Carter. Um, they eventually waived Corver, um, who eventually signed up with the 
the um, the sorry, I'm losing my track train of thought here. Um, eventually signed with the Bucks, um, which I think I think Javon Carter picking him up, I mean is is good. Um, again, I think they gave up on Josh, Josh Jackson too early, but Javon Carter can immediately be a guy for them that um, can come off the bench at the one or the two. Really good defender. Um, I think just a solid backup point guard. Now in free agency, um, again, I think the Suns just made some particular or some really interest, interesting decisions. Um, they signed Ricky Rubio, which I think Rubio is a, is a good fit for them at the one. Um, but they gave him the, this massive contract that I just don't think Ricky Rubio is worth. I don't know who they were competing against to get Rubio that they had to give him this big of a contract. Um, again, I think Rubio is a good fit. I just think they just gave him way too much money. Um, they brought back Kelly Oubre. Um, and again, I think they overpaid him. But I think Kelly Oubre is a good fit with this Suns team. Um, he had the best production of his career in his time in his short time with the Suns after being traded to them. Um, but again, I just I just don't know who they were competing against that they had to give him that big of a contract. Um, the Suns brought in Frank Kaminsky on their uh, mid level exception. Now Frank's Frank's a decent player. But I think they could have done better with that money. You know, the Celtics got Ennis Cantor. The Jazz got Ed Davis. Um, you know, there was better players to be had with that money. And, I, again, I think Kaminsky will be good for them. He's a good um, stretch five. But I just... I don't know. I just don't see the reason that they gave him that much money, especially since they have DeAndre Ayton, and now um, after trading for him, they have Aaron Baines too. So Frank's not going to get tons of minutes. Um, again, just a peculiar move. Um, the one signing that they did do that I really liked, um, the Suns went out and picked up Czech Diallo, out of, um, who has been playing for the Pelicans. He's a guy that a lot of people think could be the next uh, Draymond Green. Um, he's got a couple inches on, Dr on Draymond Green. And I think even if he becomes 80% of Green, um, he's got a much better attitude. Um, he's not going to be a distraction. I think they got a good player in, in Diallo, and they did not end up paying him that much to come uh, play for them. They are paying him, I think, just a little bit over um, the minimum contract. Um, so good signing there. Um, as far as the offseason as a whole, just not a fan of it for the Suns. I, I just, I think they could have done a lot better. Um, my prediction for this next season for the Suns, they'll get somewhere between 20 and 30 wins. They'll probably be at the bottom of the West again, but there will be a little bit of improvement and, 
I kind of think that James Jones will end up getting fired. Um, and I kind of hope he does. I think he's done a really subpar job. I think there's other guys that could do a better job in the league um, that just haven't been given the opportunity yet. So with that, we'll go ahead and move on to the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors last year um, were 57-25. and 25. They ended up winning the first um, seed in the West. And eventually lost in the finals to the Raptors. Now, a big part of that was um, Kevin Durant was was hurt. Um, The game that he was able to come back, um, he was having a huge impact on the game, and then he tore his Achilles. Um, Now, you really can't be sitting there making excuses, though. I mean, at at the end of the day, they still had a lot of really good players, and they need to win the game. Um, but now the Warriors are heading into a new era. They're heading into, um, a new stage of, of their team. Um, but it's funny though, because yeah, they lost Durant, but they brought in some really good, talented guys to replace him. Clay Thompson will be back by the end of the season, by the playoff time, um, from his ACL injury. But people are acting as if the Warriors are now just going to be some team. No, they're not even going to be one of the top teams in the West anymore. And I I just don't think that's true at all. Um, The coach for the Warriors is Steve Kerr. I think Steve's done a a good job as a coach. I just wish he would shut up when it comes to politics. Um, And that's for most people in the NBA or in professional sports. If you haven't done extensive research in it don't talk about it just worry about basketball but anyway I think Kerr is a really good coach um I I would really like to see him be tested be given a bad team and see what he does with that because so far in his his time in the NBA as a coach he's had you know the number one talented team in the NBA the GM for the Warriors and a guy that I do not think uh, re- receives enough credit for the amazing job he's done is Bob Myers. I think Bob Myers has, since he's taken over, has put together an amazing team and maintained that amazing team. Um, so as I as I said earlier, Kevin Durant is gone. He's heading to the Nets, but he's going to be out this whole season anyway. We'll see him next season where hopefully he can become at least 90% of the player he was um, and continue to have the amazing Hall of Fame top five of all time career that he was having. Um, But with losing Kevin Durant, the Warriors were able to work out with the Nets a sign-in trade um, and were able to get D'Angelo Russell um, from the Nets. Um... Russell's a guy that um, can immediately come in, play the the two next to uh, uh, Stephen Curry. Um, I think Russell's an underrated player by a lot of people. I don't think he's a top ten you know player, but I think he's definitely one of the top guards in the league, and I think he's going to be a really good fit for the Warriors. He's been working a lot this offseason on speeding up his three-point shooting um, to fit their offense better. Um, 
Now, I think at the trade deadline, there's a possibility that Russell could be moved um, to find you know more of that uh, small fo- small forward, power forward type guy to kind of fit better with what the the Warriors already have in place. Um, but I think there's a real good possibility that he could be an awesome fit for this team and help them continue to be a championship um, level team. Um, a little bit after that, the Warriors worked out a trade with the Hawks, sending uh, Damian Jones, and in return getting back Amari Spellman. Now, I like Damian Jones, but the uh, the center position was getting kind of loaded for the Warriors, so I think it's okay that they moved on from him. And I think Amari Spellman is a guy that, you know, the Hawks drafted him to be the next dream on green. And I think it'll be a good, good for him to be behind green and learn from him. And I think, um, in all, I think it was a, a good move for the warriors. I think they're getting a a guy that they can use more often than what they would have end up using, um, Damian Jones this season. The warriors brought back, uh, Clay Thompson, signing him to a big, uh, max deal. Um, now, Clay did tear his ACL, but he should be back around um, all-star break time and be ready for the playoffs. Um, so I think the the Warriors will struggle a little bit in the regular season. But when you get to playoff time, if Clay Thompson's ready to go, I think they're just as dangerous as any other team in the league. Um, the Warriors brought in... Glenn Robinson III, who's been playing with the Pistons the last couple years. Um, He's a guy that, you know, he's a decent 3 and D player. You know, okay three-point shooter, okay defender. Um, Never going to wow you, but he's a guy that can come off the bench and give you some good minutes. Um, The Warrior, excuse me, the Warriors also signed Alec Burks um, to a one-year minimum deal. No, I, I like this deal. I think Burks is a guy that um, when your top players are off the floor, you can just put the ball in his hands and just tell him to go to work. Um, that's when he's bet at his best. When he gets to play ISO ball, when he gets to attack the rim, that's when he's at his very best. Um, he's a good uh, perimeter defender. And now at a minimum deal, I think he's a great value um, for that amount of money. Um, when he was making $11 million a year, he was a little overpaid there. Um, but, again, I think it was a good signing for the Warriors. I think he's a good value player for them. The Warriors brought back Kevon Looney, um, and they signed Willie Cauley-Stein as well. And I, I, I really like Willie Cauley-Stein. He hasn't become an amazing center in the league, but I think he's a good starting center. Um, he's long. He's super athletic. Really good defender, can um, defend at the rim or on the perimeter. So it'll be fun to see um, who can win the starting position between uh, Looney and Collie Stein. Um, and, oh, I left this off my notes, um, but the Warriors traded Andre Iguodala um, to the Grizzlies, mostly just to clear up cap space for themselves. I w- I would really love to see um, Iguodala find his way back to the Warriors eventually. Now, he can't do it this season. 
um, because of the Zadrinus Elgowskis rule. Um, but I'd like to see him back with the Warriors at some point just to finish off his career. Um, another veteran of the Warriors, uh, Sean Livingston, has decided to retire. Um, but it was really cool to see Sean have success with the Warriors and have success in the NBA after that horrible injury that he had where there's a possibility he could have lost his leg, could have never walked again. So to see him have a successful NBA career after that was was really cool. Um, so I wish Sean Livingston the best going into his retirement. Um, I think the Warriors want him to work in their organization somewhere. Um, so it'll be, it'll be nice to see him uh, still around with the Warriors. I think he's I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good leader. Um, so yeah, um, best of luck to Sean Livingston um, in retirement. Now, as far as this next season goes, again, I think not having Clay for most of the year is going to hurt them. They won't be the you know high fifties, sixty win team this season. At least I don't think so. Um, but I think they'll be at least 48 wins and be somewhere in the top six seeds. Um, but if Clay Thompson's healthy in the playoffs, ready to go, if D'Angelo Russell has ended up being a great fit for the team, and I suspect Steph Curry will be playing at an MVP level. Um, now, he he's not sharing the ball with uh, um, Kevin Durant anymore. I think I – think Steph Curry is going to be right up there with, you know, Giannis, James Harden, Anthony Davis, LeBron, all of them fighting for the MVP award this this year. And I think they get into the playoffs, they're healthy, ready to go. I think this team makes it at least to the second round um, and probably to the conference finals. I don't think they have quite enough to make it to the finals. Um, but, I mean, they could do it. I think they still have... A lot of talent, and if Steph Curry is healthy and playing at an amazing level, if Klay Thompson is healthy, um, they're a dangerous team. Um, they could be a, you know, a team to be reckoned with um, in the playoffs. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. You can again, you can always message me on Instagram at Wasatch Basketball Pod, um, or you can send me an email at Wasatch Basketball Pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. So for today, um, the podcast I want to promote is actually my sister's podcast. It's called the Something to Be Glad About podcast. Um, this is a podcast where she just she talks about whatever topic it is that she wants to talk about. I've actually been a guest on two of her podcasts so far. In one of the podcasts, I talked about health and fitness and strength training. And in the other one, which just got released yesterday, um, I talk about money, talk about debt, talk about Dave Ramsey's um, getting out of debt system, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're look, looking for just an interesting kind of storytelling, um, you know, more chit-chat type podcast um, where she gets into some lighter subjects and sometimes she gets into really heavy subjects like suicide prevention. Um, I would check out my sister's podcast, the Something to Be Glad About podcast.
All right, welcome on in to the 29th episode of the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. Um, before we get going, um, I just want to apologize to you guys um, that I haven't been getting video or podcasts out lately. Um, just a lot of stuff going on right now, a lot of stuff with work and family stuff. Um, but hopefully we can get back to putting out these episodes on a very regular basis. Now, because it took me so long... Um, I'm not going to finish out the divisional breakdowns of the teams. Um, the season has already started, um, so I'm just going to move on into what I was going to do next. So the next thing we're going to do is I'm going to break down the top 30 players at each position, but we'll break it down by team. So if a certain team has two really good centers or two really good point guards or whatever, it'll just count as one. So basically we're ranking every team's uh, positional players. Um, we're going to start with the centers today. Um, but before we get on into that, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. Um, first thing is the stuff with the NBA in China. Um, I don't want this podcast to be political, but I, I, I need to bring this up because it's really just been gnawing at me. Um, the way that the NBA handled this. So if you're unaware, when the Rockets and other teams were in China to play their preseason games, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, posted support on Twitter or Facebook or something like that for the protesters in Hong Kong. Um, Apparently, the Chinese officials tried to have him fired, were really mad at the NBA, And so all of a sudden players started coming out in support of China. Guys like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James. The thing that I really have a problem with here is I don't agree with Daryl Morey on a lot of things. But I definitely agree with him here. And I'm really disappointed in guys like LeBron James, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Because when there's problems here in the United States, those guys are all for, or at least they want you to make it, they want you to to think that they are all for human rights and they're all for helping the little guy and helping those that are in trouble. That's what they want you to think when they talk about things here in America. Well, things for the people in Hong Kong are a lot worse than what is going on for the majority of people here in America. Um, yeah, there's people that are, that are disadvantaged here, but it is just awful over in in Hong Kong and they are trying to resist China being a part of them and then having to join this government that is just incredibly, um, horrible to their people. So many human human right human right violations. They they treat their people as if they're just money machines. They don't care about the people themselves. They put in all these different policies, you know, for like the one child policy and and you know, they don't have child labor laws and and things like this. And I just gotta say I'm really disappointed in guys like LeBron and James Harden where they came out in support of China. 
they're more worried. The NBA as a whole is more worried about their bottom line than they are about actually fighting for human rights. Um, this was the perfect time for them to really show that they do care about other people, that they care about you know, the policies that they seem to support here in the United States. But instead, they're more worried about the bottom line. They're more worried about the salary cap going up and their salary staying the same. Um, you know, and then when LeBron was questioned about it, he totally just, um, just acted like it wasn't an issue. Like he really didn't even say anything and he just wanted to get back to basketball. Well, where was your attitude of just getting back to basketball back when you were talking crap about the United States? The most free and I believe the greatest country in the world. You're talking crap on that, on us, on the United States as a whole, but you support this horrible government in China. So anyway, again, I did, I don't want this to be a political podcast. I just, I had to get that off my chest. I, it, it really irritated me the way the NBA handled this as a whole. Um, before we get into today, we're going to cover the centers before we get into the top 30 centers. I just want to talk about what's happened so far in the first few days of the new season. Um, I think all the teams have played now. Some of the teams have played a couple games. Um, and so far it looks like the West is going to be just incredibly competitive. Um, even the teams that don't make the playoffs are still going to be good teams that are probably going to beat up on a lot of the teams in the East. Um, it's going to be a really fun season. Um, I would really, uh, if you're a big basketball fan, I'd really recommend getting NBA League Pass where you can watch every single game that you want. Um, also, if you go on YouTube, there is a channel called... Uh, I think it's Hoops Highlights or House of Highlights, something like that. Um, all right, so sorry if um, I got a little off. I get a little off order here. Um, I just had to answer a call, um, so I had to put the recording on pause. So sorry if it gets a little out of order from where I was. But anyway, um, I, was, I think I was talking about uh, House of Highlights. I think is what it's called. Um, you can actually go on YouTube. And they'll, they post every single game. They put like a nine-minute highlight video where it basically goes beginning to end. And it shows you like the key shifts in the game, the big baskets, you know, lead changes, all that kind of stuff. So if you don't have time to watch a bunch of games or even a game, you know, you want to watch your favorite team. You know, let's say your favorite team is the Lakers. Well, you can go on there to House of Highlights, look up you know, the Lakers versus the Clippers, and you can watch the big highlights of that entire game. That way you can stay, um, you know, stay on track with your team. You know kind of what they look like. Because um, just looking at the stat sheet is really deceptive, especially when you have guys like LeBron and James Harden and Russell Westbrook um, and Nikola Jokic where they put up tons of stats 
but sometimes it really didn't mean anything to the game at all. Um, so again, I would, I would recommend looking into that. Um, couple things I want to talk about though. I think Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo are going to have a really fun time competing against each other for the MVP this year. Watching Kawhi so far this season, he looks like he is in total control of the game. Um, one thing I, I always tell younger players um, is if you have the ball in your hand, you are in control of the pace. Just because you have a great defender on you does not mean you have to speed up. That's what the defender's trying to do. They're trying to speed you up, get you frazzled, get you out of control. And you can really see that with Kawhi Leonard right now. He he takes his time. He moves around the court with the ball very easily. He makes his moves. Um, he is just looking amazing. Um, as long as he stays healthy, I think... This could be his best season he's ever had. And he's got an amazing supporting cast around him to help him out. That that Clippers team is going to be dangerous. One other thing I need to say um, on this very early start to the season so far is I think I may have been wrong on Trey Young. Um, I mean, the jury's still out. He's still very young. We'll see. Um, but when he got drafted, I was one of the people that was that really doubted this guy. I didn't think that he could have success in the NBA. And so far, he is he has proven me wrong. Um, it took him a little while to get started um, last year, and that's one of the biggest reasons that Luca beat him so badly for the rookie of the year. But you know, he by the end of the season, he was becoming a very good starting point guard and. To start off this season so far, he is looking like he's only gotten better. Um, so again, I'm going to admit that I it looks like I was wrong on the guy. Um, so yeah. So anyway, we'll go ahead and move on in to our top 30 centers. Um, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to list you know 30 through 26, 25 through 21. Um, just go five at a time. Give a brief synopsis on each player. Um, the way I did this is I gave, I listed out a bunch of different categories like post scoring, offensive rebounding, rebounding, mid range, three point shooting, defense, um, switchability, um, locker room, um, which is one that I think is very important. Your effect on your teammates, your maturity, all that kind of stuff, which is a place where guys like Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic lost a lot of ground because. They're really immature, and I think they're guys that are can really be um, divisive in a team. Can really um, make people pick sides and have their teammates not very happy with them, not wanting to work with them. Um, other guys like that, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and now they're on the same team. I think that that Houston Rockets relationship is going to end in a fist fight between those two um but anyway um so that, that's how i kind of scored it and so i scored them and then i listed that out top 30 from there and then you know there's certain guys that scored really well in those categories i just didn't think that they were that high 
Um, so I adjusted a little bit, like Gasol and Ibaka, um, the centers for the Raptors, actually were the highest in points just because they're really good at a lot of different categories, but they're not the best centers in the league. So we moved them down a little bit. Um, but anyway, so we'll just get right on into it. So number 30 is Bam Adebayo out of Miami. Number 29 is Cody Zeller out of uh, Charlotte Hornets. 28, Tristan Thompson, Cleveland Cavaliers. 27, Alex Len, Atlanta Hawks. Number 26, Willie Cauley-Stein and Kevon Looney, uh, Golden State Warriors. So first off, Bama DeBio, um, I think he's just a year or two away from making himself into right in that 15, 16 range, you know, a good starting center. I just think he does. He just hasn't had enough time in the league. He hasn't had enough time to put together a real skill set because really all he can do now is dunk and block shots. He's not even that good of a rebounder. He's he's okay, um, but I think in a couple years he'll have he'll be moving up this list um, a lot. Cody Zeller is a guy that you know he's he's always just been a fringe starter, and I think that's what he'll be his whole career. Where if you get a better center in then he can easily move to the bench if you don't really have any other anybody else like they have now with Bismack Biombo and Hernan Gomez as his backups. Then he can be your starter just fine. Um, again, never gonna wow you, but he's he's solid. Um, he can he can you know fill those minutes. Has a decent mid range jump shot. Has some good athleticism. Can kind of has. You know, he's he's better than most at staying in front of his guy. Again, just never going to wow you, never going to be a guy you want to build your team around. Um, but, you know, a guy that you can start if you don't have another option. Um, Tristan Thompson, you know, all the years he's been in the league, he never developed an offensive game. Great rebounder, still a really good offensive rebounder. Um not a very good defender, and again, he can't shoot any further than like eight feet away from the hoop. Um, but the Cavaliers really don't have any other options. Um, what I'd really like to see them do is move on from Thompson. You know, I don't know what they would trade him for. Um, but let Kevin Love and Larry Nance roll as your big men. Um, I'd probably trade Kevin Love too. Um, and maybe with trading those two guys, you get a really good young center out of it. Uh, maybe you get a guy like Andre Drummond on your team or Clint Capella. Um, or maybe, you know, you go to the magic and get, uh, Mo Bamba. Who's, who's looking a lot better to start this season. He looks like he can actually be a contributor to that magic team. Cause last year he was just, just awful. Um, Anyway, um, number 27, Alex Len. Um, Len is a guy that has really good athleticism for his height, for his size. You know, he's 7'1", has good length, um, good side-to-side quickness. He's starting to develop a three-point shot. He's just, he's really underweight, uh, understrength, I'll say. Um, he can get pushed around really easily, um, down on the block, um, not great at boxing out and getting boards, um, and I think that's going to be a real 
a big problem for the, the Hawks this year is getting rebounds. Um, I really think that they should have put a lot of effort into getting um, Derek Favors from the Jazz um, when the Jazz were looking to move him. Um, but Len, Len is serviceable. He'll, he'll get the job done. Um, and they don't need him to be a big-time scorer because Trey Young, Kevin Herter, um, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, John Collins, those guys will take care of the scoring. Um, so he, you know, as long as he's out there having an effect on defense, um, he's an okay starter. And then Kevon Looney and Willie Cauley-Stein put those two together because they're probably going to split time a lot this year. Um, I don't imagine either one of them is going to fully take over as the number one starter for that, for the Warriors. Um, both are, are just solid, solid centers. Um, I really like Willie Cauley-Stein and I'd like to see what he can do with a coach like Steve Kerr. Um, I don't think Steve Kerr is an amazing coach, but I think he's a good coach. And Willie Cauley-Stein is probably the most athletic center in the NBA. He just hasn't had good coaching. Um, the guy has the ability to be the best defender in the NBA. Um, and be a threat on the offense, especially in the pick and roll. He just hasn't been able to develop that yet. And then Kavon Looney, even though he's a little undersized, he's very solid out there. He gets a good amount of boards. He's a good defender. Um, again, neither of them are going to ever space the floor for you. Um, but as long as the Warriors have enough three-point shooting out there, which looks like they're going to need to make a trade at some point this season to bring in another three-point shooter um, to help space the floor. But as long as you have good floor spacing, those two will be just fine as your starting centers. So anyway, moving on. Uh, number 25 is Thomas Bryant from the Washington Wizards. Number 24 is Dwight Powell um, of the Dallas Mavericks. Number 23 is JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard of the Los Angeles Lakers. Number 22 is Yaka Pirtle and number 21 of the San Antonio Spurs. And number 21 is Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. Um, real quick, though, I wanted to say is if a guy is injured and it looks like he's going to be out the entire year, not even going to show up for the playoffs, I didn't bother ranking them. So um, instead of DeMarcus Cousins, it's McGee and Dwight Howard. Um, just like when I do the small forwards. Kevin Durant won't be in it because he's not going to play this year. I'm putting Klay Thompson in it just because I I really do think he'll be ready for the playoffs. Um, Steve Kerr said, you know, was saying like, oh, it took me a full year to recover back when I tore my ACL back in college. And it's like, you were in college over 30 years ago, man. Um, they've gotten a lot better at treating ACLs. Um, so I really do think that Clay Thompson will be back for like the last 15, 20 games of the season and be ready for the playoffs. Anyway, number 25, Thomas Bryant. Um, Bryant is a guy that really needs to, to get better on the defensive side and continue to develop his, his three point shooting. Um, he's another guy like Adebayo who I think could make his way into being a, a mid range center to where, just about any team would be okay with them be, him being their starting center. He just needs more time in the league, which is understandable because last year, you know, 
he got a lot of time with the Wizards and became a really good center. But the year before that, he got cut by the by the Lakers. Like they didn't even think he was good enough to keep around on their awful team they had back then. Um so I think Bryant is a guy just needs a little bit more time, needs a little bit more uh seasoning. Um but I think he would really do well to not have Scott Brooks as a coach because I think Scott Brooks is the worst coach in the NBA. Um, but anyway, um, 24 is Dwight Powell. Um, I I debated between having Marjanovic and Powell together or you know switching them out, but I really think Powell will get the, the majority of the minutes at the center um, just because Marjanovic doesn't have the stamina to last an entire game. Um, you, you can get good, you know, four or five minute stretches out of him, but Powell, I think, and Powell and Kleba will get more time on the court than Marjanovic, I believe. Um, Powell, he's starting to get pretty decent at spacing the floor a little bit, has a good mid range. His three point shooting still needs a lot of work, but that's okay. You know, he's a seven footer. Um, there's not many in the league that can actually space the floor very well. Um, the big reason that he's all the way down here at 24 is his defense. He, you know, he tries hard, but you know, he's not a good defender. Um, and that's a big reason why I think they went out and got Marjanovic. And that's a, a big reason why I think we'll see Porzingis play some center this year. Um, just because, you know, Dallas's defense is really going to struggle if you have Powell on the court with Tim Hardaway Jr. and, um, you know, J.J. Barea when he gets back. Um, so number 23 is JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard. Um, now, I do like the fact that the Lakers have a lot of big bodies that they want to try keeping Davis at the four. But... Um, you know, with those two, with these two guys, it really gets cramped in there, and it's hard for Davis to move around and get the easy shots that he should be able to get. Um, easier shots that he would have gotten if Cousins would have stayed healthy. But these two, they're good rebounders. They got a lot of length. They can get in front of you on defense. Both are still pretty good shot blockers. Um, can run the pick and roll. Get a lot of dunks. But, again, they're guys that aren't going to space the floor any more than, like, four feet away from the basket. Uh, um, so, moving on to Jakob Pertl. Um, Pertl is a guy that I... He's he's very interesting. Because um, he's, he's going to be up for an extension this year. He'll be a free agent this summer. And it'll be interesting to see how teams value him. Um... If you look at, you know, he's 7-1. Um, he's got good side-to-side quickness. He's got good post moves. He's He can space the floor out to, you know, 17 feet. If you look at just that, yeah, he's a, you know, high-value center. He's a guy that you can bring in, and you're probably going to have to pay a lot to do that. On the other hand, though, he gets lost a lot on offense. And on de- same on defense, he gets lost a lot. And he doesn't have the strength or 
what it seems to be the, the want to, to be a good um, defender. Every now and then he'll come up with, with blocks. Same with his rebounding. He, does, he just doesn't look like he has the want to. Um, you see a guy like Rudy Gobert who is so long and, you know, he's added a lot of muscle, but he's not anywhere near the size Pirtle is. Get a lot more rebounds because he actually has that drive to get rebounds. Um, so I'd like to see that out of Pirtle. I'd like to see more, you know, want to, more actually getting after the boards, getting after it on defense. Because if he can do that, then he's close to being a top, you know, 15, maybe top 10 center. I don't know if he'd be quite that good. But um, for now, he's at 22. Again, decent starting center. If you don't have any other options, he's fine. And then number 21 is Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. Um, Robinson, last year, was a second-round pick. Um, came out and just amazed Knicks fans. The guy is an athletic freak. Can block just about any shot. Um, he's going to be a great rim runner. But he's got to learn the game of basketball. Like, he, he has very low basketball IQ. Um He's very much like JaVale McGee when he first came out. Um, you know, came out of college and went to the NBA. Um, again, super athlete, blocks a lot of shots, can dunk on just about anybody. Um, but he doesn't know where to be on the court, does, especially on defense. He doesn't know where to position himself to be the most effective. He gets beat a lot. I mean, yeah, he gets a lot of a lot of blocks, but he doesn't position himself well. And that's something you see from guys like, you know, Gobert and Capella, um, Gasol, Ibaka, these guys, they know how to position themselves on defense to be the most effective. They're not blocking tons and tons of shots, but they're affecting a lot of shots. You'll see a lot of times people drive in against Gobert and, you know, against most centers, they're taking it all the way to the to the cup or trying to get into his body, but he knows how to position himself to where they have to try and shoot this like twelve foot high floater to try and get it over his his hand and they shoot a really low percentage when they do that. Um first game of the year the Jazz played the Thunder. The Thunder only got sixteen shots in the entire game in the restricted area. And that's not even counting the times that Gobert was off the floor. Or, that mean, that's counting the times that he was off the floor, too. And of those 16, they only made six. That, I mean, you see third-grade teams. You know, little nine-year-olds that shoot a higher percentage in the restricted area than that. Um, that just shows you the effect that Rudy has. He only got one block in that game. But he was amazing on defense. Just would not allow them to get anything near the basket. And that's what I think Mitchell Robinson could be. But he's definitely not there yet. Moving on to the next group. Number 20 is Wendell Carter Jr. from the Chicago Bulls. Number 19 is Jared Allen of the Brooklyn Nets. Number 18 is DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns. Number 17 is Ennis Cantor of the Boston Celtics. And number 16 is Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Wendell Carter Jr., I think, 
has the ability to move up quite a bit this year. His rookie season, he was just injured like the entire season, so we didn't get to really see much out of him. But he's a guy that can space the floor at the center position. He's a little undersized, a lot like Al Horford, but he makes up for it with you know his strength and his positioning. He's a very sound, fundamental player. Basically the opposite of what Mitchell Robinson is now. He doesn't have the crazy athleticism, the crazy length that Robinson has, but he understands how to play the game, how you know where to be on the court. And I think we could see Carter Jr. move up this list this season. It's just he needs more time on the court. He needs to um you know actually show what he can do in the NBA. Um and number 19, Jarrett Allen. Um, I think this is probably about where Jarrett Allen's going to be throughout his whole career. I mean, he's a solid starting center. I just don't see him adding enough skills um, to make up for his, you know, not a lack of athleticism, but he's not super athletic. He's not super long. And he's not not ever going to really have a mid-range shot. Definitely not going to have a three-point shot anytime in his career. Um, so I think this is about where he's going to be for his whole career. But, he, again, he's solid. He does a good job on defense. He's a decent shot blocker. He needs to get better in the pick and roll on positioning himself to be more effective there. Um, but, again, I think a, a very solid center. Number 18, DeAndre Ayton. Ayton's a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. where I think – they can move. He can move up a lot. Aiton actually, I think, could be top five by the end of this year if he's made the improvements he needs to make. Um, he needed to get a lot better on defense, a lot better at positioning himself. Um, his offense is 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 great. He's going to be a lot like Carl Anthony Towns, where he's going to be unstoppable some games on offense. Um, it's his defense where he need, really needs to pick it up. And, again, I think it's just more time on the court for the guy. Um, he's still super, super young. Um, this will be just his second season in the league. Uh, so I think just giving him a, a couple more years, he'll be one of the top centers in the NBA. Number 17, Ennis Cantor. Um, we know what Ennis is now. Um, when he was with the Jazz, they tried to get him to do a lot of different things. Um, then with the Thunder, <clears throat> they found out he's a six-man extraordinaire. Amazing at coming off the bench, getting a ton of boards in a short amount of time, scoring a lot of points. Um, same with the Knicks. Um, <clears throat> with the Trailblazers, he showed a little bit of improvement on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, Ennis is never going to be a good defensive center. Um, but the guy is so efficient on the offensive side of the ball can, you know, very old school center post up, you know, has a lot of post moves, gets a lot of offensive boards, get a lot of defensive boards. Um, he's a threat to go 20, you know, be a twenty twenty guy every single night. Um, but the reason he's not a top 10 center instead is my number 17 is that defense. Um, 
He seems to want to play defense. He puts in a lot of effort. If you watch him, he's just, even through all these years in the league, he is completely lost out there. Um, he'll turn his head to help <clears throat> with the, the driving guard and has completely lost his guy. And his guy will be there for a wide open dunk. Um, I just don't see Cantor ever getting to the point where he's decent on defense at all. Um, and so that's, I think he's going to stay right here as a mid range starting center. Um, again, if you need, if you need rebounding, this is the guy you go out and get. Um, if you need more scoring, he's great for that. Um, yeah, anyway, <clears throat> um, and that number 16 is Brooke Lopez. Now, Brooke is a guy that he could have mo been moved up a lot. Um, you know, he, his defense was really good for the Bucks because they put him in a position to, to succeed. He kind of just gets to sit back and block shots all day. Um, he doesn't have to chase guys around because of their personnel, because of the way Budenholzer has set up that defense. Um, again, he's become a really good three-point shooter. Um, probably him and him and Towns are probably the best big men three-point shooters in the league right now. Um, still has a good post-up game. It's just he's super, super slow side to side. <clears throat> you can't play him tons and tons of minutes because he's... He keeps himself in decent shape, but he he just does not have the body to go, you know, 36 minutes a game. Um, so he'll stay, you know, here as a mid-range center. Again, another one of these guys to where if you don't have one of these top centers in the league, you're totally okay with Brooke Lopez being your starting center. I mean, he gets the job done. <clears throat> so moving on to the next group, we're into the top half. Um, number 15, I have Dwayne Dedman. Number 14, Jonas Valanciunas. Number 13, Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside. Number 12, um, do, uh, Derek Favors. And number 11, Evita Zubak and, um, Montrez Harrell of the Los Angeles Clippers. So Dwayne Dedman is a new starting center for the Kings. Now, I know that there's some games that are going to try and run Bagley as the starting center this year, but I think Dwayne Dedman really needs to be on the court for this team to be successful. Um, he's just a super solid center. Um, guy blocks shots. He gets rebounds. Doesn't rebound at a super high rate. Doesn't block shots at a super high rate. He knows how to defend the pick and roll. Knows how to run the pick and roll. Can run the pick and pop. He can shoot threes. Um, a great teammate, but he's never, he's another one of these guys where he's never going to wow you. He's never going to be the star of his team, but he's one of those guys where you need guys like him on your team to be championship caliber. Um, so I think he's going to be really important to, um, the Sacramento Kings this year as they try and get one of these playoff spots in the super loaded west. It's going to be really hard to get a get for them to get a spot in the west. But I think he is kind of the linchpin of that. So 
So moving on to number 14, Jonas Valanciunas. He, now I, I could have put Jaron Jackson Jr. here, but I kind of think they're going to try and start the two of them together. Um, I think if Jaron Jackson Jr. can become a power forward and not have to play center all the time, I think it'll be a really good thing for the, for the Grizzlies. Um, but Valanciunas, super physical center. Um, he will beat up on you. Him and Steven Adams and Yusuf Nurkic, like if you're, and Andre Drummond, if you're not ready, um, they're going to beat you into the ground. They are huge, they are strong, and they play super physical. Valanciunas, though, also has a really good mid-range shot. His three-point shot's coming along. He's a good rebounder. He's you know he's one of these guys that's a double-double um, machine. Gets double-doubles just about every single night. Um, really solid. Good passer. Um, I think the, the Grizzlies did really good to replace a guy like Marcus Gasol with Valanciunas. Um, very similar games, and I think Valanciunas can be a good um, starting center for the Grizzlies for quite a few years to come, as especially as they, you know, start to build around Jackson Jr. and uh, Morant. Um, I think he can be a solid piece along with those two. Number thirteen, Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside. Now Nurkic is still injured. We don't know when we're going to see him again. Um, I think he's definitely the better of the two, but Hassan Whiteside, I think will. Will do really well in Terry Stotts' system. Um, on the pick and roll, he gets to be a drop big. He gets to just kind of sit around the hoop on defense, and I think that's where he's a lot better. When you start giving him a lot of responsibilities on defense, I think that's where he really um, gets into trouble, just like Ennis Cantor. Now, he's a lot better defender than Ennis Cantor, but he has a lot of the same problems that Cantor had, and we saw Cantor do better on defense when he went to, to Stotts went to the Trailblazers and got to be a drop big and just sit around the hoop and help protect the basket. Um, but Nurkic is a guy that um, he's always going to be on that border of moving into the elite centers and being just a solid center. Um, he's a good scorer, good rebounder, surprisingly a good passer too. And he does a good enough job on on defense and again just like Valanciunas the guy is huge he'll beat up on you if you're if you're not ready to go up against him <clears throat> number 12 is the new center for the New Orleans Pelicans Dwight fate or Dwight Derek favors um, last year Derek was by far the top backup center in the league now he's actually gonna get to be the starter full-time um, I think it would be really fun to see Derek get back up to what he was doing a few years ago with the Jazz before Gobert really came onto the scene. I think uh, Derek could get, uh, could get back to being, you know, that 15, 16, maybe even 17 points a night guy, you know, somewhere between seven and nine rebounds, um, gets a couple block shots, steals the ball, you know, one and a half times a game. Um, it would be really fun to see what Derek can do with this new really young team there in, in New Orleans. Um, and then at number 11, you have Avica Zubak and Montrez Harrell. Now, Harrell <clears throat> is the star here. You know, he, he'll come off the bench, but he's going to play like 30, 
even up to like 35 minutes a game. Like he's going to get the majority of your minutes at the center, <clears throat> but he's a guy that can come off the bench and immediately light a fire under the team. Um, he's always going, always moving, great pick and roll player. Um, can get off the floor super fast <clears throat> and dunk the ball. Um, one of those guys that has a, a great um, second leaping ability, which make you know basically is talking about how you know you jump, shoot the shot, and how quickly you can hit the ground and get back up and get that rebound. He is amazing at that. Um, and then Ivica Zubac is just a guy that you know, you know he's just a, a solid center. He's very much um, kind of like a Cody Zeller for the for the Hornets. Um, Again, never going to wow you, but he'll get the job done down, down there. He can play decent defense, um, can put the ball in the hoop, can get a few rebounds here and there. But Harrell is the guy that is really the center for this team. <clears throat> and it's going to be really fun to watch this Clippers team, especially as Paul George gets healthy. Then they're going to be something really special because they look awesome without him on the floor. And once you add a guy that was number three in MVP voting this last year, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, um, one of the best perimeter shooters in the league, um, that Clippers team is going to be a lot, lot of fun, and they're going to be really, really hard to beat. <clears throat> so moving on into the top ten. Um, number ten, we have... Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka of the Toronto Raptors. Number nine, we have Steven Adams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number eight, Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. Number seven, Nikola Vucevic of the Orlando Magic. And number six, Andre Drummond of the Detroit Pistons. <coughs> now, Gasol and Ibaka, two super solid veterans. Um... There's a big reason they are those two are big reasons that the Raptors won the championship this last year. Now I know Lowry and Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard were really the big, you know, stars on the team. But those Gasol and Ibaka are, are so solid. They they're always in position on defense. They're all they run really good pick and rolls. They're great teammates. They can both space the floor. They can both post up. Um just really solid players. And I think um, those two being on the team are a big reason that the Raptors are still going to be a playoff team this year. That and the fact that they play in the East and the week and the East is just really weak right now. Um, I w I would not be surprised though if one of these guys ends up getting traded during the season. But I don't think it's extremely likely, just for the fact that. They're both on expiring contracts anyway, and the Raptors don't have any um, aspirations of being champions this year. Like, as long as they're being realistic, they they don't. There's no way that they think that they can be the top team in the league this year again. Um, they again, they can be really solid. They can be one of the you know four, five, six seeds in the East. Um. But I would not be surprised, though, if the, these two are still on the team come next year and have signed, you know, lesser deals 
um, because they're both paid really, really high right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're both back on, you know, somewhere in that 15 to 16 million a year range. Um, as the Raptors try to move into this next um, generation with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and OG Ananobi. Um, so number nine, Steven Adams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, probably the best offensive rebounder in the league. Um, just absolutely gets after it on that side. Good defensive rebounder too, um, but these last few years he's had to just clear the way for Russell Westbrook to come through and get rebounds. And it looks like they're trying to run the same system and have Chris Paul come in and get a lot of rebounds this year. Um, but Steven Adams is just one of the ultimate you know, teammates to have. Super unselfish. He doesn't care if he scores 10 points or 2 points in a game. Um, he's just going to go out there, do his job, play good defense, play super physical, get a lot of rebounds. Um, I like Steven Adams a lot. Um, even though he's very limited on what he can do on the offensive side, he does enough on the floor to be a top 10 center in this league. Number eight, Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. Um, Turner is a guy, a lot of people were saying that he should have been the defensive player of the year this last year, just because he had the most blocks. Um, he's another guy that he's a, he's a more refined version of Mitchell Robinson on the defensive side where he's better at knowing where he's supposed to be, but he does not have the type of effect on the game on defense that um, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard have. Um, but it's going to be fun to watch this year how they use Turner because they're going to start him and Zabonis together and they have to get some sort of floor spacing out of this team. And Turner can shoot the three and already this season, I've hit, seen him hit a step back three as a seven-footer. Um, so I think he could have a massive year this year and jump in front of a guy like Nikola Vucevic. Um, which, moving on to Nikola Vucevic, who's number seven. Um, Vucevic is, you know, your consummate, you know, 20 and 10 guy. Um, puts the ball in the basket, gets a lot of rebounds. Um, sets good screens, decent passer. He's gotten pretty darn good at shooting the three. Um, amazing free throw shooter for his size. Um, the one thing that's really holding him back is he's just not a great defender. He does his job on the defense. You know, he's just not you know one of these elite defensive players. And then finally, um, Andre Drummond at number six. Um, Drummond is the one that could very easily pop into like the top three this year. Um, super, super physical, ex amazing, amazing athleticism for his size. You know, the guy's like six, six ten, probably close to three hundred pounds, and he can move better than a lot of wings can. And uh, if he continues to develop his offensive game a little bit more. With that amazing ability that he has to rebound, um, he is really a threat to be one of the top centers in the league. Um, but one of the big things with him is, you know, he just seems to lose focus, lose um, drive 
throughout the game, you'll see him take possessions off here and there. Um, and if he can stop doing that, if he can stay focused and stay um, determined, stay intense, he can be one of the top centers in the league. Finally, going into the top five, um, this, I mean, there's a lot of great centers in the, in the league this year. So if you, if you make it into the top five, you are truly an elite center. Number five is Nikola Jokic of, with the Denver Nuggets. Number four is Carl Anthony Towns with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Number three is Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Number two is Clint Capella of the Houston Rockets. And number one, I know you're going to say I'm super biased because I'm a Jazz fan, but I truly believe that number one, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz is the best center in the league. Um, so anyway, Nikola Jokic, number five. Jokic is a guy that I think really puts up a lot of empty stats. Um, I think he's a lot like Kevin Love of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, back when he was playing with them where he ton of rebounds, puts up a lot of points, you know, Jokic gets a lot of assists, but is it really that effective towards them winning? I think he definitely has an effect on how good the, the Nuggets are. I just don't think he's anywhere near being MVP level player. Like some people think he is. Um, and this year I'm, I'm afraid for Jokic's health. Um, he looks like he's put on another 20 pounds. Um, he got three really quick fouls in their first game just because he can't keep up. And I think it's going to have a lot of effect on his joints. He, I think he's going to spend some time injured this year. I don't think he's going to be able to play more than, you know, six to seven minutes at a time. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, the Denver Nuggets as a whole, I would be super embarrassed to be their strength and conditioning coach because Paul Millsap is the only guy on that team that looks like he has any muscle definition at all. That's because Paul Millsap is one of the hardest workers in the NBA. Jokic is soft. He's got a ton of extra uh, fat on him, which slows him down, which is going to lead to injuries. Jamal Murray has no muscle mass. Gary Harris has very little muscle mass. Like, I don't know what they're doing over in Denver. But Jokic, I'm really afraid about him uh, putting on more weight. I I think that's going to be his downfall in this league, is him not being able to stay in shape. Uh, moving on to number four, we have Carl Anthony Towns with Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, Towns, if he learns how to play defense, I think is the best center in the NBA. His abilities on offense are just amazing. By far the most efficient offensive player over seven feet tall. Like, great three-point shooter, great mid-range shooter, great down in the post, super smart on the offensive side of the ball. He just doesn't care on defense, and he needs to. If he really starts putting some effort on, in on the defense... Um, the Timberwolves can be a playoff team this year. Now, I will say there's one person in the league that is really good at, at stopping Carl Anthony Towns. That is Andrew Wiggins. That is his own teammate. Andrew Wiggins is one of the most inefficient players, not just right now, of 
all time. The guy is, he's awful. They've got to get rid of him, or they got to stop stop playing him so much. He takes the ball out of of out of town's hand, and that's how the Timberwolves lose games. If you took even just five of the possessions away from Wiggins and gave them to Towns, or Towns would score on at least two of those, and the Timberwolves would win more games. Um, the Timberwolves have got to get rid of him. They got to get rid of Wiggins. Um, they've got to let Towns be the ultimate centerpiece. Let him be the star because he is truly amazing on the offensive side of the ball. Moving on to number three, Joel Embiid. Now, some people say that Embiid is the top center in the league. And maybe, I don't know. He has like no side-to-side quickness, and it's because he has no work ethic. Um, he is one of these guys that is just naturally amazing at basketball, puts like zero effort into the game. And that's why he gets out of shape really easily too, just like Jokic. Um, and he doesn't take the game seriously. I think Joel Embiid is going to end up being a lot like Orlando Magic Dwight Howard, where put up amazing stats maybe lead their team deep into the playoffs. But teammates and front office people are going to start forcing him out. I would not be surprised to see in, you know, eight to ten years, Joel Embiid every single year jumping from team to team to team because nobody can stand the guy, um, which is a shame. By, he has by far the most natural talent out of any center in the league. I just don't see him ever putting in the effort it takes to be the top guy. Finally, our top two. <clears throat> and it's kind of funny because Clint Capella is by far the worst matchup for Rudy Gobert. Rudy has a hard time with, with Clint because Clint is so intense and is flying around. Like the Rockets last year with Capella and Fareed, Rudy had a really tough time with those guys because they were just constantly flying around him. They were so fast, so athletic, just so driven to go. Um, which is another reason why I, I don't understand why the Rockets didn't bring Kenneth Fareed back. He was awesome for them. But anyway, Clint Capella, great pick-and-roll player. One of the best lob catchers and you know um, dunkers in the league. Really good defender, knows how to position himself really well, good rebounder. I just really fear that Russell Westbrook and James Harden's uh, personalities are going to be killing the rest of the Rockets. Um, I really think that Capella is the key to that team being great. If he gets hurt and they have to start Tyson Chandler... Um, which Chandler's still a good center. It's just he is definitely not what he was back when he won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I I would really be afraid for the the Rockets. I think they could drop out of the top playoff seeds really really quickly. And finally, moving on to my number one, Rudy Gobert. Rudy is he is the best defender in the NBA. 
If you don't believe me, you got to just watch games. Don't just go off his stats. Watch the game. The guy has an effect on just about every single shot that goes up within 15 feet of the basket. He makes guys try and shoot these super high floaters where they're throwing the ball 14, 15 feet in the air. Um, He makes them pass out of shots that they would normally take. Um, Just an incredible defensive player. And then on the offense, he is probably the best pick and roll player in the NBA. Um, He gets to the basket super fast, can throw, you know, can get lobs from anywhere. I mean, he had to deal last year with Ricky Rubio, who's probably the worst lob thrower in the NBA. And Rudy set the NBA record for dunks in a year. Like, the guy is insane. And this year, he's got Mike Conley and Bogdanovich to help space the floor. Like, Gobert and Mitchell are going to be just insane this year because there's so much spacing that they can actually operate. Um, I would not be surprised to see Rudy get close to averaging 20 points a game this year. Um, so yeah, with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Um, let me know what who you think are the top centers in the league. Um, let me know where you think I was wrong. Um, you can message me on Instagram at Wasatch Basketball Pod, or you can email me at Wasatch Basketball Pod at gmail.com. All right, thank you for listening. Bye.